Welcome to episode nine of the Bit Picking Podcast, a podcast about software engineering. I'm Greg. I'm Mark. Hi, Mark. Hello, Greg. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Take nine. <laughs> So, Mark, I thought today we could talk a little bit about user feedback. And the reason I want to talk about that is because uh, I spent most of my career in B2B. Yeah. And there is a particular way you uh, interact with your users, um, I think. Yeah. And now I'm in a direct-to-consumer mode and there's a different way and I think that's quite interesting and the ways I now have to interact with users are uh, quite different so I've sort of had to relearn and I'm still learning so I thought let's talk about that. That sounds good. We should also talk about because this struck me when someone mentioned this the other day about B2E, business to employees, which is a slightly different mode again. Yeah. Tell me about your experiences with your consumers, Greg. Well the big thing that's different for me, is that I have an app. I have two apps, but I have them on the app stores. Um, And that means I get reviews. And I have to now worry about what to do with those reviews. Um, And there's an easy level where you get a good review and you can reply and say, thanks very much. That's really good. Um, But then there's a situation where you get a bad review. And so how... Do you respond to that? Do you respond to that at all? If you do respond to it, what is your tone of voice? What are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to get them to change their score? Or are you just trying to ensure that if somebody reads it, they get to see your response? How do you come across or how do you not come across like you're just arguing? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. So I've been learning about that a bit. Here's here's a, um, a question I'm interested in. Yeah just to start off with but of the reviews that are bad how many do you think are genuine feedback about the balance of the app versus someone who is just either a persistent troll or just <laughs> a bit grumpy that day quite a few are not actionable right. if i think that's what you mean um and they are just a bit of a grumble yeah. and they're quite hard you know they're just oh you know it doesn't work or yeah uh, it doesn't do a thing that I want it to do. In yeah. fact, even if they said that, at least you'd know what they wanted it to do. Yeah, right. You know, so and that's part of the problem in that you know how do you respond to that in any reasonable way, yeah. other than a sort of placid, oh, really sorry about that. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll take it under advisement or something like that. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So, how would you want someone to feedback to you? I don't know if I think I'm too affected to answer that. Right. Because I know too much of what goes on behind the curtain. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm doing it, and I follow people on Twitter who are indie developers or corporate developers, and you know, you know too much. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem. And that when people don't know, they think it's easy to just throw in and say, "Why don't you do this?" or "Why don't you do that?" And yeah. you sort of want to turn around to them and say, "Because we don't have the budget <laughs> yeah, or yeah, that technology doesn't exist or yeah, yeah, yeah. we did this other thing instead because yeah. you know, more people wanted that than what you're asking for, you know? So this is the tricky thing, isn't it? Is that, is that the, uh, the reality of why you haven't done something is often quite murky or 
it's nothing to do with the fact that you don't agree with it. It's a good idea. You hadn't thought yeah. of it. Yeah. It's because there are constraints on budget or resource or yeah, yeah. maybe there is some big technical reason why you can't do it. Mm. But I mean, if, if it was me, if, if I were to leave a bad review, and I, I think I've left bad reviews before. I have I I've not, not done it. Not very often, but because um, I'm, I'm a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what I don't want is someone to kind of make it sound like they're uh, just telling you what you want to hear. Yeah, well, quite, exactly. Right. It does come across, uh, you, you know. You, so, well, here's... Um, I don't know, this is, this is too early to, to, to throw this little anecdote in there, because one thing that struck me to want user feedback was um, recently we used Microsoft Teams. I think we've talked about that before in this podcast. Yeah. And, You're a uh, good fan, aren't you? <laughs> big, big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I, I think their strapline should be Teams better than Skype for business. <laughs> but anyway, um, and on so they use user voice. Yes, um, yeah, so we yeah, have plenty yeah, yeah. of user feedback, and uh, there has been a long-standing uh, issue on there about uh, having a Linux client, which is dear to my heart. Not because I run Linux, I, I I don't, but but my dev team do, and so this kind of hampers my ability to communicate with my team on Teams because a, a Teams client a Teams client for Linux I thought it worked in the web it does but not very well you, like depending on which browser you use you can't always get okay. um, you know conferencing notifications those kind of things right. so a native client would be Better. good for everyone yeah. uh, and uh, so that went that, that went through kind of the three phase, three stages of grief or something like that, I don't know. But where they said, uh, you know, the first feedback on this... So you raised so the user I, voice. I, I didn't raise it. Someone oh, else, you someone, found someone one, right. someone okay, else yeah. has, has raised it. I just kind of subscribed to it. Um, and so the, the first feedback was, yeah, it's on the backlog. We're looking at it. We, we, we hear you. Yeah. Right? We're looking yeah. at it. And you think, well, that just says... Nothing to me, right? Is that so, is it called a platitude? Yeah, that, a platitude, yeah, right? Yeah. So that kind of wound you up. Yeah, I mean, it didn't it didn't wind me up. It's a long running thing, but you know, you just go well. That that just basically means no one's really going to do anything about it. Um, and then this, I think, this is in October that there was a, an announcement on that issue where they said, "Do you know what, guys? We're not going to do it. Let's be honest, <laughs> we're not going to do it." And on the one hand, I was like. Well, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. And on the other hand, I was like, hey, but at least, at least you know. You've been yeah. honest, right? And yeah. I know either way. The next morning was an email going, we hear ya. <laughs> We've accelerated this now. <laughs> because clearly when they said we're not going to do it, everyone piled in. Like piled on. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And said, you know, and I, I presume that includes some people that pay them much more money than, uh, than I do. Um, and so suddenly it's gone from not sure to definitely not to absolutely and we're <laughs> yeah. going to get it done quicker um so i just want to think how what the, you know in terms of how i feel about that feedback it was certainly a relief when i just knew when i got the feedback that it was either either you were going to do it or you weren't going to do it and there wasn't a, oh we're thinking about that yeah, yeah. however I, you know my own experience is that as someone who has to manage that stuff that's the easiest answer because actually you don't know you can't make any guarantees you can't say yeah oh yeah we're good with you know unless it's a cast iron thing you can't say yeah we'll do that quite often it's a bit of a stupid suggestion sometimes (laughs) and you say oh yeah that 
that's an idea. We might do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you don't, it's exactly right. You don't, you don't want to blow the person off because it might happen. Yeah. So you don't want to say no straight away. Yeah. Unless you really do know no, I suppose. But, um, but you also don't want to commit to something. So there's no option other than to be in the middle and say thanks very much. We're looking at it. Is there? Yeah. But then it's. <laughs> but then that's like. Like you said, that puts you as the as the uh, the reporter in a kind of oh, what, I've been fobbed off. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so um, but short of exposing your roadmap to all your users, you can't really. Uh, no, it, it's definitely helping. in that ballpark, isn't it? But in that situation, you know, there was a very specific thing. What if you just said, "It's rubbish. The performance is terrible." You know, I mean, what can they do with that? How would you expect someone to respond to that? Um, make make well, it better. Well, I'd, 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 I'd probably want them to follow up with me and find out what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Because clearly, yeah, clearly there's not enough information. That's the kind of thing that you'd leave if you were just blowing off steam, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is, and, th- and this is one of the challenges of App Store reviews. Yeah. Because you can't start a dialogue. You get no, one, you get right, one reply. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, yeah, you can't, you can't say, tell us more. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can do a thing where you edit the replies. Right. So you could reply and then they edit their review. Yeah. And then you okay, can reply okay, to the okay. oh, That's just bonkers. So quite a lot of people will try and push it into another channel. Right. And yeah. say, okay, really sorry to hear about that. Please give us a call or email us or yeah, whatever yeah. to try and grab that yeah. feedback. Um, but again, it relies on the user following up on yeah on that what about um unsolicited technical feedback you know what if you'd said uh right i want you to do a linux client and here's how you do it and then you put in some reasonable detail on how they could cross compile their electron app uh, yeah using yeah. these you know compiler commands or some crap like that do you think that's a reasonable thing for users to to feedback and how would you respond to it if you uh, if you had that I wouldn't as a, I don't think as a user you can expect people to action it I think give the give the feedback what's the chances that you're going to give technical feedback that that team haven't already thought about put it that way as, yeah. a, as, a, as a solution to it but I think if you're uh, in a position where you want to give that feedback and you've gone into the effort, I feel like you want a response. Like, you don't want that to go into the yeah, void. Yeah, 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 yeah. I you see. Know, you, you, you sort of, you, you're invested in the brand or whatever. Yeah. And you want it to be better, and you think you've got some knowledge. Well, this is it. Yeah. So it's, it's, almost, it's almost trying to sort out who's, who's being uh, genuine in their feedback versus who's, who's just <laughs> trying to be a bit of a, yeah, bit of an yeah. ass. Because that, that, that happens, I imagine. I don't think I think there's much you, you, you can do other than say thanks very much because at the end of the day you can't like I said you can't you can't go oh yeah okay well, well that's the way we're going to do it now and, and mm. you can't guarantee or commit to people that that's that's the thing that you should do and people are always going to have those suggestions I'm sure I've done it with other people yeah where, I mean don't get, don't get me wrong I want to I want to hear all of it yeah I want to get that feedback and I want to um, no, I want it to be specific because when it's not, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, there's literally nothing you can do. Yeah. So there's two things that you know that that I'm sort of 
working out in this app review world, one of them is how do you respond? So the sort of more marketing yeah. aspect of it. Um, and the second thing escapes me, but you know, so, so I'm not saying I don't want users to feedback, yeah, you yeah. know, at all. I quite like it. And in fact, compared to the B2B world where you were mostly interacting with project managers or product managers, yeah, buyers versus users, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and then trying to get in front of a user was incredibly difficult because they're normally, yeah, right. they're normally three or four steps removed yeah. from your, who you can talk to. And if you want to take them away from what they're doing, you know, there's a cost to the business for that. You know, yeah. I think on aggregate it's better this way. Cause I do get a much, I've got a much keener pulse on what's going on. Yeah. Um, but it's all public, you know, and that's a, a worry. Yeah. So, the, yeah. um, the other thing I've faced as a user, uh, particularly when it comes to to bad software, is uh, it can be quite difficult to be specific, almost to the point of where you think, well, if, if you can't see what's wrong with this, then <laughs> then, then I give up. Yeah, that's then, true. Then, there's no yeah, hope. You know, I have used a few bits of software that that meet that criteria, where you think, well, like, name them, shame them. Don't know. Yeah, no, do you know what? I'm just kidding. One of the one of the one of the best examples was Skype for Business, funny enough, because <laughs> we were using that before we were using Teams, and I I tweeted about it, and then I got um, Skype for Business on Twitter saying, "Sorry to hear that you don't yeah. like it. You know what can we help you with?" Uh, and it, the first thing was it, it was a bit exasperating, purely because if you can't see why this is so bad, then <laughs> yeah. you know I'm not going to help. I ended up actually. <laughs> making a long list of uh of exactly why i was kind of quite i th- i thought i owe it to um to them because you're right if i'm gonna go and mouth off and say this is rubbish i do owe it to to come up with some specific yeah, yeah, yeah. things and quite often when that happens when someone challenges you that's when you think well man, actually i'm not I'm not quite sure what my feedback is. <laughs> yeah. In that case, I did have quite a sizable list of very <laughs> yeah. specific feedback to, to give them. What did they respond to when you said... How did they respond after you sent that back to them? Uh, that's a good question. I was just thinking that. I um, I, I can't remember. I, I, um, no, do you know what? I, I literally can't remember. Because because for me, it was just blowing off steam. I wasn't... I, we were getting off of it anyway. I didn't... I didn't. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I I didn't really want the feet, and that, that was that's part of the frustration. Is like, well, I don't I don't want to get involved in a dialogue about this. Actually, I'm just I'm just telling you it's crap. <laughs> I just want you to go away and fix it. I don't I don't want to be involved in a conversation yeah. about it. Just go and fix it. Um, I suppose that's the trouble because I said earlier, like I'm affected, so I don't know. Like I'm sure the Skype team, Skype for Business team, yeah. didn't set out to make it crap. No. And I bet they know that it's crap. But there, there are, and I suppose actually their answer was Teams. But during the time when there was no Teams and Skype for Business was rubbish, yeah, yeah, you know, what were they going to do? They're probably all sitting there going, "Yes, Mark, we know." But the, well, this is a great example <laughs> of constraints, isn't it? Because the whole reason Skype for Business is crap is because you had Link, and then That's they right. were yeah, yeah, yeah. they were basically, you know, Skype was acquired, and they were told make it make look it. like Skype, yeah. right? And so they made it look like Skype but couldn't make it work like Skype. <laughs> yeah. And so as a user, 
you were going, well, I'm using Skype here and I'm using Skype for business there, but they're two completely different mm. um, experiences. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's a constraint, and you're right. I imagine the team works out there again. Well, this is, this is frustrating as hell because there's probably tons of things that we could do to improve it. Mm. But you know, the message has come down from on high that we should make it look like Skype. You asked earlier, how would I want to be communicated with? I think I'd prefer the honesty thing. I think I'd like somebody to say, like, yeah, we get it, you know, and, and somehow, you know, without getting in, without publishing the roadmap and all the uh, proposals and business plans and that go behind it and the budgets and the resource plans yeah. and all of that, without revealing all of that, being able to say, well, you know, this is where we are and this is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, I think that's what I would prefer. So I wonder why businesses aren't honest like that. I wonder why everybody sits in this fence. Sorry to hear that, Mark. If you'd like to get in touch with our customer support team, yeah. we're always here for you. You know what I mean? That Why don't people just it, go, actually, no, you're wrong. That's because, a terrible idea. <laughs> because not everybody's like us, Greg. <laughs> not everybody are nice, nice guys like we are. Well, I think it's fear, isn't it? It's, it's fear a, about that brand damage. Yeah, you know, exactly. Because these days, without getting into a cultural discussion or maybe we should because it'd be quite interesting it's so easy for this like pile on this twitter like style or facebook style hate that imagine if you did do that and you just like called someone out on their app review yeah one star do you even who do you think you are giving us one star yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and obviously you wouldn't do that but you can imagine being well, i've seen and i've seen um <laughs> tripadvisor is great actually for seeing feedback from from people yeah. um, and what's really intriguing about TripAdvisor feedback I think is quite often you will get a really bad review and then you'll get the manager of the hotel or whatever it is giving you the other side which is like well you came in and yeah. you demanded <laughs> yeah, this exactly, and you demanded yeah. that and you didn't have that and you wanted that and you didn't want to pay for that and, and suddenly you go oh right <laughs> like there's there's certainly two sides to every story yeah, yeah, so you said um, business to employee so that's something that came up recently and um... well yeah so as, uh, and at a slightly different tangent maybe the question came up about who should be allowed to uh, put stories in the backlog who do you trust your users enough to say if you've got an idea about what should happen in this tool because you're the users you're the you're the you're the real product owners <laughs> tm <laughs> uh, i hope that groan comes across <laughs> um we'll edit it out uh but if, if you're the people that are really invested in how good this tool is shouldn't we be letting those people put stuff in the backlog and I find it an odd question because I can't see what harm there is at all in allowing someone to do that. Because it doesn't mean you're going to do it. It doesn't cost any money. I, I can't see any reason why you would stop anybody putting something into the backlog. But as a, uh, as a product owner, you end up with a backlog that's just full of stuff and you and you've almost certainly got priorities you know building input tools for our users is not our main priority it's mm. a it's a thing that we do when we have to do it but we're never going to spend thousands of pounds on redeveloping the tool to add certain features to it but that's fine so when it comes in you just close the ticket 
Ooh. With with that as a reason. Ooh. Or, that, that just feels a little bit. Pointless. Oh, I do it all the time. I think actually it's a thing I've done started doing quite recently. But i my my current position is well yeah, put it in. Put it in. Um I know in, I, I should know enough as a product manager stroke owner of the thing to to be aware if it's a duplicate, so then I can close it as a dupe. Uh, and then I can assess it and I think, oh yeah, that's got legs and I'll let it go through to sort of the next stage or I'll just go, we ain't going to do that and I'll close it very politely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Idiot. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. So, uh, so I think, just... but maybe that's because it's not, it, it's a manageable volume. Right, um, yeah. So maybe that's why I, I can do that. And, and when I first started closing them, people were offended. Uh, I'm offended, how dare you? You know, it's like, okay, you're going to be offended. It takes up up your time cycles to read those things and debate them and understand the merits of them and make decisions on it. I don't, maybe that's the difference. I don't do the debating bit. You know, I I decide. And, and and, And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I just mean because you can't, I can't spend the time, you know, getting everyone in a room and we'll go through every single yeah. one. So I do the first pass, you know, as the owner of it, you know, lowercase o. Yeah. Like, it's my thing. So I feel like I should know and I'm entrusted and uh, should be good enough to make those decisions. And then I think if I close something and somebody really cares, they'll raise it again. And that to me is a signal that I, A, I got it wrong. Right. But also, I, like, there's something I've missed, and then I might go and have a chat with them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And actually, nine times out of ten, although people are offended at the fact that you've closed their idea, they don't they don't come back with it. You know, they just go, oh, okay. You know. Yeah, but now I'm just picturing kind of downtrodden employees who are like, well, nothing <laughs> nothing we say ever gets listened to. Well, no, we because are. I'm fair about it. I mean, okay. there's a lot of things so that think. there's a lot. Of, well, so maybe think, yeah. yeah, maybe I need a three sixty review. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe on listening back to this, I'll I'll think, God, I sound like a right dick. But I think that you've got to take some responsibility for it. And I don't think there's a, you know, I'm going to coin a phrase, like some kind of backlog by committee type thing. Right. You know, someone's got to take the bull by the horns. And I think that should be the product owner. Straight yeah, but my point is that, that, so I'm going to make a confession. I don't believe in product owners. <laughs> with a capital P. Yeah, product owners with a capital P. But so I think you, I think I think I think it runs a bit contrary to the original spirit of the Agile Manifesto. Asterisk: We are not an Agile podcast. Um, you should do a tally. Because like because the, the 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 point of that was was that the product owner was is the person who knows best, or is you know is is invested in the success or uses the thing that you are building. And so I think if you've got a real life user who uses that system, they are the product owner. Yes, but they don't have a connection to the team. No, that's exactly my point. So you if, have somebody. If, if, so you if, have somebody if your in the middle is not who... connected to those users. You are not doing no, agile. That's a, that's a practical thing. That's because. In an ideal yeah, world, yeah, you'd be sitting de- in a room full of these. It's become the default now. Yes. But there is a practicality, which I imagine is where the role came from, and it has been abused and 
and changed and now it's suddenly like people can't think for themselves unless the product owner's in the room and everything is deferred to the product owner and that's terrible but there is a practicality that there has to be someone who uh, represents all those people that can't be in the room at the time that you need to make the decision about the thing that you're trying to do yeah but why can't that be a real life user practicality system but what You've got what, what practicality? What, why can't why can't that again? If if I go back to the spirit of the Agile Manifesto, it would be that user is sat in your room, using the system. They are doing their job, co-located with the dev team, and so when a question comes up, you know this this bug in the tool. Can you show it to me? They go sure. I mean, it's hard to argue with it from a theoretical perspective, <laughs> but in a in a wide-reaching set of software that's used by, you know, let's even let's pare it down, dozens of people. Who you, who are you going to pick to be in in that with you? I did the one that's a good laugh. <laughs> I think <laughs> if you could have someone sat in the room with you, you want to have a bit of fun with them, don't you? So I know where you're coming from, and I think this is one of those things where it's really useful to position the extreme to make you think about it. Uh-huh. And I get that, and it's all too easy to be complacent. But I do think that in any given system like this, that there has to be someone who makes that final call. And yeah. I think I think it's ended up becoming either the product owner or the product manager. Maybe that's wrong, but if it's not them, it will be someone else. And in a self-managing team, someone will emerge, and it may not be the person you expect, but there'll be someone that everyone else is looking to to say... What do we do here, guys? You know. Yeah, yeah I just, I, I, I don't. I mean, I suppose someone's got to make decisions. I'm just thinking. I, 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 I would, I would kind of like design by committee, not design by committee, but but okay. priority by committee. Really? I don't think it works personally. And I think if you were, I think it would be really cool if someone was able to do um, an experiment or research into that topic Hmm. because it's all very popular and fashionable isn't it like the whole steam model where you just go and work on whatever team you want was it steam Uh, valve Valve, go and work on any team that you want and there are no bosses we're all in it together (laughs) and you think wow yeah meritocracy and there's that other fancy word for it but then i think is it working like, is it? And where's the evidence to say that those systems deliver better than other systems mm. where there is a hierarchy? Or, yeah. And even if that hierarchy is not enforced, it's just happened. You know, over time, somebody became the lead and then there was, yeah. you know what I mean? So I'd love to see research in that. Um, but my, I, I suspect that there is, if you distill all the psychologies of people down and the personalities, there are people that want to be led and people who want to lead yeah. And eventually they'll filter themselves into those roles. Yeah. Maybe it's the prisoner um, guard experiment. But what, what if you're suggesting that users are wrong? Am I? Aren't you? Yeah. I think they can be. Mm. Um, but I don't know how I'm suggesting that. So you've, you've accurately well, described the you... feeling. <laughs> but not based on that. <laughs> um, because because if, if, if all your users are saying... We need this. You're saying someone has the power to veto that and say, no. uh, uh, "Yes," but they would be a terrible. 
product owner stroke <laughs> whatever if they did that and the business would fail yeah so the the success is not based on how much power you yield but how good you are at negotiation and collaboration and you know insightfulness and that kind of stuff yeah but otherwise what user are you going to listen to if you don't have someone who, you know, with the constraints yeah, we spoke well, about, well, so, I, I can only do one thing and I've got five things in front of me. So, so, here's, so here's a really interesting question. Um, because, um, so Amazon have just had AWS reInvent yeah. uh, and they came out with a whole swathe of announcements about new features and things like that. Um, and uh, one of the things that, that, that struck me is, you know, there's lots of grand things and, and, and AWS now has... Oh, I, I don't know. It must be getting towards eighty different services, yeah. right, properties as, as part of it. And they've just announced like stuff, an AWS service for managing satellite base stations. And <laughs> right, <I> mean, <laughs> whoa, that's on my Christmas list. And so, as, and so as a user, I'm going. Well, that's great, but it's nearly 2019, and I still can't redirect HTTP to HTTPS without deploying a web server behind an elastic load balancer. On, on S3? O, on AWS, on EC2. Right. right. So elastic load, you know, I just want to put everything on HTTPS, but if a user is on HTTP, I want him to go to HTTPS. Yeah, yeah. But that's not a built-in feature of an elastic load balancer. You have to deploy Proxy. an Nginx yeah. or something behind it to, to do that work. So I feel like like what makes you think that a service for a satellite base station <laughs> is <laughs> well, is of more use to people than than just just doing this it's a one liner surely i mean maybe maybe <laughs> I, <laughs> everything's a one liner <laughs> i mean i would imagine that's because they're not there's not really one amazon and whoever's no. doing the satellite base station is probably an acquisition that is now called Amazon. And even if it's not, it's some other team so far removed from the EC2 team yeah. that, you know, from from all levels, you, you know, that, that's, that nobody's sitting in a room with a massive Excel spreadsheet yeah, yeah. <laughs> with yeah, every yeah, employee yeah. at Amazon yeah. going, right, where are we going to put the, yeah. <laughs> the satellite? This guy, what's his skills? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he knows a bit about yeah. satellites. Yeah. Okay, did he do anything about load balances? <laughs> Yeah. Not quite as much. Yeah. All right. Well, that's written in Go, so we can't yeah. do that. Got to move that up there. Well, it wouldn't be written in Go, would it? In fact, why haven't Amazon invented a language yet? Um, Surely that's what all the big companies are doing. Well, yeah, I don't. If you're not doing an electric car, think, I, I you, need a, you need your own programming language. I don't, I don't think they have. Um, I'm sure they will in time. Someone will come up with something. Um, and maybe their answer is, well, you get the freedom, Mark. You can... You can redirect in any way that you want. You want to use Nginx? Go for it. You want to use Apache? Do that. You know, we're not going to we're not going to enforce no, how you want to no, redirect. No, but it your kind traffic. of runs contrary to what AWS are doing, I think, which is and we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, which was the idea that actually you know, AWS in itself becomes the platform and you don't need to deploy anything other than click this button mm. to launch your elastic load balancer or your API gateway or your Lambda or your something else. So it seems like a really kind of basic thing that would prevent you from... It does seem quite shocking, actually. I mean, all joking aside, like, you know. I mean, I, to be honest, I never understood the whole, everything that's got to be HTTPS. 
like, and everybody went mental about it. And then I was like, but if I'm just looking at some crappy marketing site for a local door fitting firm, does it matter? Well, so, um, uh, uh, Troy Hunt, who runs How I Be Pwned. Pwned, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, he had an article about this, which was, uh, essentially, yes, it does matter. Because, you know, the example is, uh, you can be on airport Wi-Fi, for example, and people can inject adverts into your page or inject any mm, really other good. content into your page. So, sure, I mean, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that people are hacking into your your page, as it were. Yeah, but, but, yeah, no, I but can see still, that. people are seeing content that you did not originally surface mm. on, your, on your page. You know, and airports do that, right? That's, mm. that's a good example. I've always found, on a side note, I've always found it amazing that those things get done. Because it's all very well to sit here and go, well, that is shocking. Yeah. I mean, can you believe... But imagine the amount of people that had to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. Had to yeah, come up yeah, with yeah. the idea, get it ratified <laughs> yeah. at some kind of product board, put on the roadmap, find a dev team with a lead and an architect. Yeah. All of these people to do that yeah, very yeah, thing yeah, that yeah. we're all shocked by. Yeah. And I'm like, somebody's not shocked yeah, by that. Maybe one know? day we should talk about ethical development. Oh, yeah. I, don't know. Oh, I like that one. Oh, Greg. Should we wrap it up there for this week? Yeah, so where did we get to? So... Replying to reviews is undetermined how to do it. <laughs> yeah, we, we, you should definitely always listen to your users. So the answer is not to ignore them. At the extreme, you, you, get them in the room while you're working. You can't, you can't, you definitely can't ignore no. users. I think some people do. But I do appreciate that uh, as someone fielding those reviews, you have to sort the wheat from the chaff. And I think there will be people who. Um, may not deserve a response. Let's put it that way. Put them on the naughty step. <laughs> Maybe what you're... I wish I'd thought of this earlier now. What you're really replying to is the readers, not the user who sent the bad message. Maybe that's... Uh, okay, I see that. And so being so, transparent is not to them, but so that when someone else looks at it, yes. they've at least got two sides of yeah something... To make their own... Well, exactly. Because you know. you, you've also got to... You've, you have to give other people confidence that if they were to raise issues that you would yeah. treat them seriously. Because if there's one thing worse than being talked about, it's not being talked about. <laughs> he says, quoting Oscar <laughs> Wilde. I'm just thinking, like, B2E, B2B. Why yeah. isn't there, like, an app review for that? There you go. Put an app review system into your input tools. See what people say. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, no, I'm sure. I'm not sure. Actually, no. I'm not sure I want to. But you want the um, users in the room with you. Yeah. What, they, what are you scared of? They literally are in the room with me. Yeah. So actually, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I know, I know their deepest thoughts about the, about the tools. And they have been beaten down. They, they you know, over the years. Close. They, they've learned. Close. Close. They have learned not to, uh, not to, you know, rock the boat. All right. User reviews done. Yeah. Until next time. <laughs> sort of, sort of. I think maybe we should, um, we need to like recycle some of these topics and then having, <laughs> having talked about them and we'll come back to them at some point. In, uh, well, I hope people realise as well that we don't, um, we don't prepare, do we? No, we don't. I think people probably are painfully <laughs> aware of that. 
But what I mean is, so it would be good to come back to them because I don't know if you do, but when I leave the conversation, I sort of think, oh, what did I say? Did I say that? Do I really think that? Or was I just trying to be antagonistic or or um, devil's avocado or something like that? Do you know what I mean? Yes. So maybe yeah. we should come back after reflecting on it and go, okay, this is, you know. We should, we should. And that probably also explains why we never really get to any answers. Conclusions. So again, I mean, I've said this before, but if anyone comes to this podcast looking for concrete answers to their problems yes, true. you may be disappointed listener <laughs> thank you for listening listener thank you for listening listener <laughs> goodbye alright cheers Mark bye bye Greg <laughs> <laughs>